Switches. This is Sara. Welcome to a new episode of the Switches podcast. So I have just watched episode 5 of season 2 of Motherland for Salem and I have a lot of thoughts. To be clear, I am literally recording this right after watching the episode, well, right after writing down my notes about the episode. Um, so I have not yet seen any sneak peek. I have seen the promo for next episode and I have seen the After the Storm interview, but the sneak peeks are not out yet. So if anything comes out that contradicts what I'm saying here, that is why. There is a lot to say about episode 5. First of all, I loved it. I think this might be my favourite episode of season 2 so far. Scenes-wise, I did prefer the scenes between the characters from episode 4, but as a whole episode and storyline-wise, I much prefer episode 5. There's so much in this episode, so much has happened, there's been a lot of development. Um, I do feel like at this point in season 1, is it is it just a illusion feeling that I have? Is it is it not real? But I, I kind of feel like at this point in the episodes, in season one, we were kind of, the, the pace had kind of picked up a bit more. And I feel like here we're still kind of going at a slow pace. And I'm wondering if the Camarilla is going to be dealt with this season at all. Or if maybe this season we're just going to find out about Alder's past, which is probably going to connect with the origin of the spree. And the end of this season might set us up for the big fight between the Camarilla versus all witches. So Army and Spree together. Because I'm thinking maybe that is where we're leading. We're kind of learning more about all the major parties. So we're learning more about Alder, which probably means that we're going to learn more about the Spree. Because I do think that Nycta is connected to the origin of the Spree. I mean, the, the whole power that they were using in those flashbacks was the kind of magic that the Spree uses. And we are learning more about the Camarilla with Scylla and Acostia undercover. So I'm thinking maybe this season is just going to be about this build-up and it's going to leave us close to the, the big fight and the next season is about the actual team-up of the army and the Spree against the Camarilla. So that could be one way and that could be the reason that this season has so many storylines all crammed into one which still annoys me a little bit just because there literally is so so much which in a way is satisfying when you're writing it all down and trying to kind of analyze it all but at the same time it leaves you with too little information on each storyline. This episode was brilliant, amazing, fantastic. I only have one complaint about it, but let's get into it. So, the train attack. The last podcast episode, I said that this needed to happen. And to be fair, the way that I said it, I was confused as to why this wouldn't happen. And I put in a little insert because we got the sneak peek that confirmed that this had happened after I had recorded that segment. So, yeah, this makes sense. Uh, it was to be expected that the Camarilla would attack the um, convoy. My 
issue with it is why weren't they prepared? They sh surely they should have known that there was a very high chance of the Camarilla attacking them. So why were they just using a government train with civilians as part of the staff? Which I'm guessing is why they actually got poisoned. The person, the staff there that was giving General Sharma her tea, I'm guessing, um, seemed like a civilian rather than a witch. Why? If you know that the Camarilla is after you, you've got a huge target on your back, you're transporting Khalida and General Sharma, who are both very important people, why would you take the risk of having civilians on the train that could be infiltrated by the Camarilla? So this this is my main issue with it. I just think that all of these generals just need to, to get a, a, a flash course on strategy because they are not handling this well at all. They are making one stupid move after the other. Seriously, both Sharma and Alder, it's just like, what, what were you expecting? On the other hand, it, it is kind of interesting to see that a lot of what makes the Camarilla so powerful and a lot of what has enabled them to come back and become so strong was the hubris of witches, was the hubris of the army, not just in the US but abroad as well. Like generals like Sharma and Alder who just think that they're untouchable, who think that they you know, they can beat the Camarilla, that at the end of the day, the Camarilla are civilians, so they can't really compete with witches. They, they just think they're going to be successful. And that makes sense. It does, it makes sense that that is the reason the Camarilla got so strong. At the same time, we have been told that the Camarilla are such a horror story for witches. So while it makes sense that after Alder supposedly destroyed the Camarilla, they would have gained this kind of arrogant confidence. Wouldn't it also make the fear come back really fast as soon as they actually realize that the Camarilla are back? And wouldn't trauma be triggered? Which I wonder whether, whether it's a combination of this arrogant overconfidence and this trauma resurfacing, especially for the, um, actually, I don't know if, is Alder the only witch who has lived this long? Is there any other witch who is over 200 years old? But anyway, no, even, even for younger witches, even for witches like General Sharma, the stories that they've been told, it, it's a kind of generational trauma that can you know, cause you to not think straight, basically. And I, I really want to see this more. I kind of want to see Alder struggling with this because we know that she is because Elliot has mentioned it, but we haven't yet seen it a lot. And it would be, it would be good to actually see her deal with the trauma of this. And she probably has a lot of PTSD connected to it. So I kind of want to I kind of want the show to explore this, or rather, even if not explore it, explain it, you know, make it explicit. Because it, it would explain why they're making such stupid moves. 
but if we don't get the explanation then it, it just kind of is a, a missing piece you know but yeah we also see from the train attack that the illness spreads like a sentient being and that paired with the promo for episode 6 makes me think could it be a parasite am i late have we already been told that it is a parasite i have a feeling maybe ellie has said this actually i don't know so if it is a parasite is it like a magical parasite or is it like just a, a kind of nat natural parasite could it be in any way connected to the mycelium um or is the fact that the mycelium was the only thing that could cure this illness just a coincidence because you know the mycelium is really really powerful and it just kind of transforms everything into organic matters that it kinds of um takes over or whatever is that just the reason or is there a deeper connection between the two um and also just where where did it come from we see from the promo for next episode that and uh, not Anacostia, well Anacostia is in the scene but Isadora is going to study it and is it going to attack Alder despite being in the tank because we see Alder approach it and then the next scene has Alder and the bitches on the ground and her vocal cords kind of look like they're on fire so I wonder whether the parasite is magical and perhaps the Camarilla is simply um weaponizing it but didn't create it and the same goes for those tapes where did they get those tapes from if petra is quite confident and again this might be just again arrogant overconfidence but she seems quite confident that without those tapes they can't keep testing witches why is that I mean that would mean that the tapes what's on the tape is actually a magical sound that was not created by a human but by a witch which means how did they get their hands on it because you know if it were something the camarilla created came up with with um taking the tapes away wouldn't mean that they can't just make new ones so if petra is confident that without them and they've burnt them now so they're theoretically they're just gone the camarilla can't test people to see if they're witches anymore so who made the tapes whose voice is on the tapes how does those tapes come to be i still think we need a traitor there, there's got to be a witch that was either forced to work with the camarilla or like betrayed her own kind or his own kind whatever could it oh actually which father there you go um no i'm kidding i have no idea that's not actually a theory but i mean i wouldn't be that surprised to be honest last thing about the train attack is basically wouldn't the spree want kalida's uh, vocal cords why do they keep trying to kill her they just keep trying to kill her and i'm wondering but wouldn't it be better to have her vocal cords do they just not know how powerful she, how powerful she is? They, they must, because otherwise they wouldn't have attacked the train, right? So if they know how, power she, how powerful she is, who she is, why wouldn't they want to capture her to get her vocal cords? I am a little bit confused here.
another event that happened was the Camarilla event. So that shit was intense. Can we agree that it was dark and grim and wow, a new kind of level of um, cruelty? Like, that was a child. That was like a five-year-old child that was about to get lynched. They were distributing rocks to the audience. That is very dark and I loved it. I loved it because it puts things in perspective. So far we were kind of just, we were kind of just shown the Camarilla as these enemies. And yes, they do horrible things because, you know, cutting somebody's vocal cords out is pretty grim already. But at the same time, we were kind of just introduced to them as this ancient enemy of witches. And at the end of the day, this, the predominant um, dynamic was of this kind of us versus them kind of thing, you know, just witches versus the Camarilla. And they were kind of standing on equal grounds almost. We were kind of just looking at this as a match, as a battle, as, you know, a, a war. But it's much, much more than that. And now the Camarilla have properly been framed as the monsters that they are and obviously we had been told this all along but this scene was obviously very powerful and intense and again very dark and it really shows us who the Camarilla really are and what they're really made of which is normal civilian people who are not witches and who are just capable of such a fear, ignorance and hate that kills in horrific ways. And the idea that they would just stand there and lynch a child, you know, I mean in a way we have the privilege of thinking this is such a unthinkable crime. Um, at the same time, it, it does happen in, in, in the real world. We just choose not to see it most of the times. We just choose to kind of go about our day ignoring that this actually happens in today's world. Um, but, you know, within, within the story, it does put things in perspective. And I just loved the whole event with Anacostia and Scylla working together and um, immediately agreeing that they were going to save the child like even if the mission had been compromised they, they still carried out the mission as well so good for them but the mission just went into second place and I wonder I wonder if Alder would have done the same thing I wonder if Petra even would have done the same thing would they have prioritized the child? And this is something that, if, when I say it like this, it, it kind of sounds like I don't think that Alder would have saved the child. But actually, I, 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 I'm a really, I'm really curious. I actually really don't know because on one hand, she has sacrificed plenty of people that weren't, I mean, that were young adults even, so basically kids. She sacrificed kids before for military strategy. She has the potential of the kind of mindset where she would let 
this child die just in order to complete the mission. But at the same time, she has such a personal trauma connection, really, to the Camarilla, that I don't think she would be able to just let them kill this child. I think either she would just go into flashback and just freeze, or I think I think this rage would just come out and she would have just killed them all. And I sort of want to see that. I sort of want to to get a scene like this for Alder. I really, one, I really do want to see what would win, her emotions or her cold, kind of, you know, focused military mindset. And Acosta was very badass and Demetra was so cute and they after the storm interview she was so excited about that fighting scene it was adorable um and she acted it so well like okay I that was that was cool the one thing here that I didn't like is actually the response of the fandom and um Elliot's comment about Scylla in this episode in this event specifically because Scylla gives the speech right and she's just trying she's just trying to buy them time she's just trying to stall because Anacostia hasn't disabled the technology that blocks their magic yet um so when she says when she makes that speech really most of all she's just stalling and she says that she's enjoyed every single time that she's killed a civilian and that's a bit dark, right? And everybody's ignoring how dark that really is. And I don't actually think that she necessarily means it the way that it's actually said. Um, but the reality of it is that the thing that she actually says, whether or not that's what she means, she is saying that she enjoyed killing children. And I, I can't anymore with everybody just ignoring this. I love Scylla, I love her character, but I can't anymore with fans just completely glossing over this. And I understand that they're just not interested in it. Fair enough. Like, I'm actually interested in the, the building of the character and the development of the character and the reasons of why she, do, she does what she does. So fair enough, if the fans are just... If most fans just don't care that much and they just think that the scene was cool, fair enough. But it really annoyed me, actually no, it kind of angered me a little bit, it upsets me that Elliot is doing it as well. I understand it from the fans because, you know, you're, you're watching a show, you can enjoy it however you want. If you're like me, you probably do care about the character building and you probably do care about how her actions are explained. But you can also enjoy it simply because you like the character, you like the actress, you really appreciate the acting, you're okay with it just being an implicit kind of explanation and you don't need it to be explicit and fair enough. Enjoy it. Think it's badass. Whatever. But from the writer of this character, it really, really upset me the way that he talked about it in After the Storm. He's just completely ignoring the fact that Scylla has killed civilians children how is it that different from what the camera you were doing here 
I know she didn't lynch them, but she she forced them to commit suicide. That is not that's not cool. It's not something that we can just ignore. Or, you know, you can choose to ignore it, but from the writer's perspective, he can't. He can't just ignore it. And the way that he was talking about, oh, Scylla is just very complicated. You know, one day she, she saves a child and the other day she stabs a man with a pencil. No, dude. There is so much more to it than that. You can't just explain it as in she's complicated. That's not good enough. That is so not good enough. And this is starting to actually make me a little bit angry because she just deserves better. Like, Scylla deserves better. Like, we know that there's an explanation. And the thing is, he's relying so much on Amalia, right? And Amalia is doing a mind-blowing job, all right? Her performance this episode was incredible. And last episode, it was mind-shattering. She's... She's amazing. We know this. We all know this. But you can't put everything on her. Because yes, from the way that Amalia is performing the character and the story in this episode, we see that there is more to it. She's The rage that she shows clearly comes from a lot of trauma and pain and, and a past that would explain why she's done what she's done. But... Elliot hasn't written that into the character yet. And he had chances this episode to give us like flashbacks. When first when the guy the the spree guy that was going on the other mission with Will asking him not to, um, he called Scylla weak and he mentioned her past. He said, you know, considering your past I would think blah blah blah. And um that was a good chance for a flashback. And again, at the Camarilla event, it would have been a good, a very good moment for Scylla to, to have a flashback and then go into rage mode. But we don't get it. We don't get it because Elliot is, is just not... I feel like... I think this is why it makes me angry. I feel like he's not taking it seriously. I feel like he's just going like, well, Amalia is good enough that... People are not going to stop liking the character because her her acting is making up for my lazy writing. So I'm just going to leave it at that because the fans love her um, and I don't care. I'm just going to say that she's complicated because I can't be bothered actually writing this into the story because I have so much else, so much more um, to say about other stuff. Like, no, man, no. Learn to organize your time. This is actually a bone I have to pick with them, right? Okay. If I met him, this is what I would want to talk to him about, because it just doesn't sit right with me. And a lot of you might disagree, but for me, I just, I can't get over this. Can't get over this, because she's complicated, it's not good enough. And I keep holding out hope that it's going to come in the next episode, it's going to come, an explanation is going to come, but it still hasn't, still hasn't, and it's... I'm losing hope that it's going to and it really really upsets me and I know I keep talking about this this is the third podcast episode since season two and I've been talking about this every single time but it's really disappointing me and it's making me really sad because I love Scylla's character and I'm, I'm really afraid that I won't be able to like it the same way or appreciate it the same way if this isn't resolved 
Right, another thing that I really liked was the, finally, the explanation of the, the burning face thing. So we see how it actually works. So she has to burn somebody's face off before she can take it. However, I am still kind of confused. How does she take, what's her name? What's her name? Oh my god. Um, the other civilian, the civilian lady. So you know the guy that kidnaps the little girl and gives her up to the Camarilla leader or whatever. Um, his wife, what's her name? We never see Scylla take her face, right? But how how did she do how did she take her face? The way that she takes the, the Camarilla police men face, it looks very painful. So how does she do it with the civilian woman? I'm I'm a bit confused. I'm gonna need to know more. Does she do it when does she like knock her unconscious and do it? Does she do it while she was sleeping? Does she like enchant her or something? I don't even know. Anyway, it was still nice to see it and it was a badass scene and it was like done quite well. I'm also glad that Elliot mentioned the fact that the Camarilla killing a witch on Halloween, on Semaine, is kind of a perverted thing to do because Semaine is so sacred to witches. Uh, I'm really glad that Elliot said that, acknowledged that in the After the Storm. Because like, I've been thinking about that since the promo for this episode. He also said two more things, right, about Anacostia and Scylla's relationship growing and one of them I agree with, one of them I don't agree with. In the episode we see, we have this scene that is actually kind of cute and funny but from a fandom perspective kind of, because obviously we're fond of these characters. The scene I'm talking about is Anacostia basically telling Scylla that she's beautiful um that she looks beautiful or whatever and yeah it's cute and it's funny but at the same time if you actually think about it within the context it doesn't make sense it's out of character and most of all it's out of place they were on a mission infiltrating the camarilla like this is not the time to be bonding over clothes girls it just kind of didn't make sense i was very confused by that scene um, but the other thing that Elliot says was that Anna Costa would have been lost this episode without Scylla. Like, she comes to face with something that she's kind of been taught did not happen anymore. And she hasn't quite seen something so horrible. And I do really think Elliot is right. Yeah, she would have been lost without Scylla. Scylla was the one to know how to handle the situation. And Anacostia left Scylla to handle the situation. She entrusted Scylla with this child's life. If her trust for Scylla hadn't been growing, she would have just told Scylla to go disable the thing. And she would have taken care of saving the child. But she actually did trust Scylla. She recognised that in that situation, Scylla had more experience than her and was more prepared prepared than her to deal with it so 
one, it really shows Anacostia's maturity. It shows that she is a very good leader because she knows how to use her team's strengths and she knows her own strengths and weaknesses. And I really, really appreciated that. It also, I also kind of feel like Anacostia, after seeing this, after truly understanding what the Camarilla is, what these people are, what they do, how truly perverted and cruel they are and hateful. I feel like she's starting to see more of where Scylla is coming from. She's starting to understand Scylla's rage. And maybe, well, I hope she doesn't agree yet with Scylla's methods. But she understands the pain. She understands the fury. She understands the emotions that have probably driven Scylla to the spree. It was very good. I love their scenes together. They are so good together. I'm really, really enjoying the fact that they get to be on screen together a lot more. The last event of the episode was the ritual at For Salem for some men. So this involved a ghost regiment from an old war that comes back to haunt basically For Salem every year. And Elliot explained, and this was a great insight, I love getting the little insights into how witches things work. Basically he called it an echo from the past and he says that Alder has found a way to use this to well add to the training of the soldier set for Salem. It's kind of been used to do a team building exercise, Elliot explained. And I thought it looked very cool. I thought the idea was amazing. And, you know, it kind of fits really well into the kind of world that he's created. And um, it's a nice, original, creative and quite fantasy interpretation of pagan culture. You know, to it's more than meeting with the dead. It's more than honouring the dead. It's, it's actually interacting with the dead. It's creating this tradition that involves the dead that literally involves an activity with the dead i love it of course the fact that we get to see our witches fight it's also very cool but then we get the big thing of real abigail and tally all get to call upon the dead obviously abigail goes with Charvel. And Charvel kind of gives her, I guess, a wake-up call, or rather, Charvel reminds her who, of who she is. I both appreciated this scene and didn't quite love it. The reason I liked it was that Charvel, you know, says to Abigail, you need to stop thinking that you've been failing others. Like, you've not failed your family, you've not failed me. It's only yourself that you can fail. It's about her at the end of the day. She, it's been about her family for a long time. And she has been... I mean, even the interaction previously during the episode with her mother. Where she calls herself herself stupid. 
it's quite clear that Abigail is embarrassed. She's humiliated by the fact that she fell for um, the Camarilla's trick, which makes sense. And Charvel kind of reminds her, you know, it's okay. You didn't, you didn't fail any of us. You're kind of failing yourself because you're letting them win, but you can't fail us. And that was a good reminder. That was, I actually wish there had been more focus on that because it's um, it's something that Abigail needs to hear that, you know, she doesn't exist to, to make her family proud. Her family should be proud regardless and they should love her regardless and there shouldn't be a way to fail them because that is not what her life is about. And Abigail really needs to hear this. However, the thing that I'm not cool with is the way that Charvel kind of just puts this vengeance mission on Abigail. While really Abigail needs to actually acknowledge the trauma that comes from those attacks and the PTSD and the fact that she hasn't really worked through this. She hasn't had anybody to actually help her. She got to speak to, to somebody like what once last season after the after Charvel's, Charvel's death, that's it. Abigail actually needs a support. She needs somebody to talk to and I would have liked more focus on the mental health repercussions of what Abigail has been through because it's a lot and it's very personal and it's it's horrific. It's more than just losing somebody you love. The, the shit that Abigail's seen and the, the shit that she's been through herself directly, it just is a lot. You can't expect somebody to just deal with that themselves. And she is expected to just deal with it herself. Petra hasn't actually offered much support or help that we see of. And I wish, I wish that that had been more the case. I wish that Petra kind of tried to help her daughter a bit more. Again, especially on the dealing with the trauma side of things. Petra should know a lot about trauma related to, you know, war and um, fighting the enemy. Like, come on. I, I, don't, I don't like that this is just not dealt with. But now she's going to get herself in a mission of her own with Adele. On one hand, I'm excited to see, first of all, to see Adele's powers. Secondly, to see if there's going to be any sharing of knowledge. Like, is Adele going to try to help Abigail with taking control of her powers, like with the storm? And third, I'm excited to see how Abigail's powers evolved, because I'm assuming that this is going to be um, part of this whole thing that they're going to do going after the Camarilla. They're going to need to actually train and make sure that they know what they're doing. But also, I'm afraid that she's going to get herself in more trouble. Either this is a long-term plan, so they're not actually going after the Camarilla next episode or the episode after that. Um, so either it's something that they're going to prepare for like the end of the season or something, or it's not going to be realistic, or they're going to get in trouble and they're going to get hurt. And... Abigail's been through so much already, so I do hope that they're just kind of 
gonna prepare for it and you know wait until they're sure that they can actually do this the suggestion i suppose is that abigail is gonna get herself into this without tally and rael um so she's gonna have a deal but she doesn't have her coven and that's interesting because abigail's always been quite sticking to tradition you know and the importance of the coven and the unit before that and even when she didn't necessarily like her unit the reason she pushed through was because it's just how things are it's just rules you know she tried to get herself out of it she was reminded no this is just how things work and she started to really value her unit to the point where at the end of season one she goes with them despite the fact that she doesn't need to so now to see Abigail step away from that, Abigail kind of going off on their own without her unit or her coven really is going to mean that she is stepping away from the army. She's stepping away from her family's heritage in a way. And in another way, she's reclaiming the heritage in the sense of reclaiming that power and reclaiming the origin of her family's, you know, um, authority. And I can't wait to see it. It's also interesting that Adil has changed his stand as well. He's moving away from the pacifism of his people. And they're kind of both in the same position at the moment. Both of them are stepping away from the ways of their people. They're stepping away from what they've known for their whole lives, what they've lived by. And it's quite interesting to see how they come back together. They, they were being pulled apart because they were standing with their people and yeah, abiding by the rules that they have lived by this whole time. And now both of them have stepped away from this. Both of them are working on on their own really and this has brought them back together while I kind of was hoping that we wouldn't know whether Khalid and Adil were alive for a bit longer because I thought that would be interesting and would give more su- suspense so I, I, I am a bit I do find it a bit underwhelming that we just know at the end of the episode that it's fine they're cool they're, they're all right I am excited for this journey that Abigail and Adele are going into together. Tally, on the other hand, chose to summon somebody she had never met. And she gets slammed against the wall um, and made to see what actually happened to this witch. This is probably going to then end in an explanation of how the spree was started. Is it going to somehow connect to the Camarilla as well? Is that possible at all? Because I'm wondering whether... Well, we have basically three main storylines. We have Alder's past. We have the Camarilla. We kind of have the spree. There's not storylines. We have three main players into this conflict and I wonder if all of their stories are in the end going to tie into each other 
Tally seems to be the connection, well, seems to be the one that is going to make the connection between Alder's past and the origin of the spree. Is there then also going to be a connection to the Camarilla, perhaps the Camarilla coming back? Or is Tally at some point maybe going to see how Alder defeated the Camarilla the first time? And is that going to be a clue for how they came back, how they weren't actually all destroyed? I am really curious about this. At the same time, I am worried about the way that it's going to go. In the sense that there's a lot of information put on Tali's character and it's all very interesting and it makes me want to geek out and kind of just dive into all of the little hints that we have. And I'm pretty sure, like, the fan theory of Nicta Nicta is going to be the one that brought about the spree, the one that funded the spree. If it is, it is a bit disappointing that that was everybody's first guess. It could have been done a bit more, I don't know, mysteriously, like a bit more discreetly. But at the same time, I do love to see how it's constructed. But I also wonder, is it going to remain just on Tally? I kind of want her to actually get to interact with other, maybe a new character who's also interesting and maybe has, you know, is very old and has lived through that stuff. Because so far she's only really, the, the new characters that she's seen are all dead. And yeah, she's spoken to one of them, but dead. And I, I want her to be able to interact more within her storyline. and. This is very much a solo thing for Tally, and I kind of wish that she had somebody else, even just to discuss it more with, because it would give us more of an insight as well. And I also wonder if we're right about the spree origin, does Alder know? If Alder knows, that that changes things. But also, wouldn't now Alder be on alert with Tally? Like, she knows that Tally knows more than she should. So why isn't she doing something more about it than just ask Isadora to do something to fully um, break the connection? Alder doesn't seem very threatened at the moment by this. I think she might be underestimating Tally a bit, like thinking, oh, you know, it's just because she's been having these dreams, so she was genuinely just asking, just curious, just, you know, confused, and she's going to leave it now. So maybe that's what she's thinking right now, but she's going to find out that actually Tally's not letting this go. So is Tally a risk from Alder now? Is Alder going to do something? Is she going to mess with her head? Is she going to pop with her? Any of that? I do wonder, and I, I would love to see this, and I would love to see maybe an Acosta get involved. I wonder if Tally's ever going to go to an Acosta with this at all. Speaking of, we actually do see Anacostia back at for Salem for the next episode and I'm excited to see the scene between her and Alder with Alder getting attacked, well, or sick, I don't know what's happening really. Also speak while we're on the topic of the promo, there is somebody getting tortured? 
Like, you know, when the the, the scene with um, somebody putting um, like a restraint on somebody's arm? Is that a torturing scene? And, again, while we're on this topic, what does Silly and Willis see? It looks like they're looking at a poster or something. So is the camera you're going to make a big move? Or is Alder maybe making an announcement actually admitting that the camera is back? I think it would more be something directly like uh, something coming from the Camarilla rather than something from Alder that they would I mean Scylla just goes like got this she says something um you know she, she kind of they look surprised they look shocked they look worried scared even so it kind of looks like it might be from the Camarilla but it could also be the president the president could come back with an announcement or something or the vice president I guess that next last episode, I don't trust him. I really don't trust him. So Alder seems to think that he's an ally because his daughter is a witch. However, I definitely don't trust him. I also wonder, is the president going to get better? Like, is she going to recover and come after Alder? Could the announcement be something on those lines? Or could it just be something from the Camarilla? Anyway, finally, Rael was the most interesting. And we knew, we knew from the promo for this episode, we knew that Rael trying to summon her mom at Samain would have been the most interesting kind of thing because, well, obviously she can't show up. But the thing is, Rael doesn't even seem to be suspicious you know, that maybe her mom is alive. But Elliot, in the After the Storm, Elliot says that the dead have to show up. Have to. It's not like a choice. They have to show up. So wouldn't Rael know this? Wouldn't she be told this? And if not before the ritual, wouldn't she be told after the ritual that the rule is the dead have to show up? Because in that case, I mean, that's a pretty big hint at your mom is alive. But also, if that is the case, you know, the dead have to show up. Rael should know this. So, obviously, she should... And even even that, like, she, it should put a seed of doubt in her head. Like, could she still be alive after all their witches? But she she just thinks that her mother didn't want to speak to her. And that... Makes me think, how much shittier than we even thought must Willa have been as a mother for her daughter to just assume that she didn't even want to speak to her? I want to see how Willa was as a mother and I want to see them reunited because I want to see Riel reject her. I'm sorry, maybe some people will disagree with me, but I really don't want them to fix things. I don't want... Willa to be able to fix things with Rael. She does not deserve to. She left her daughter to go join a terrorist group to go kill innocent children. Like, um, I really don't like Willa. Like, I don't care that she's fighting the Camarilla. I don't care that she might be powerful. I don't care that she's accepting Scylla for her daughter, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about any of that. I, I hate Willa. I, no, she does not, re- she does not deserve to have Rael back and she does not deserve to be forgiven by Rael if they do want when 
they do meet again. Um, but this thing was quite disturbing that Rael would just assume that her mother didn't want to speak to her. If magic were a real thing in real life, right, that, that would be a red flag for abusive parent or at the very least neglectful, bad, very bad parent. Which we do know that Willow was ne neglectful, but we were led to believe that it wasn't necessarily her fault. Um, in any case, I'm assuming that Riel is going to, you know, start thinking, oh, maybe my mom is alive. And I wonder at this point, since she's going to speak to her dead, and then it looks like maybe the scene of her causing the blackout, maybe she just gets angry. Maybe she starts thinking that her mom is alive and she's angry about it, about the fact that everybody lied to her. Um, and maybe her father knows. If her father knew, well, that would obviously make Riel very angry. It would explain why she causes the blackout just in a sort of moment of rage. Anyway, I'm glad that that scene is coming up and uh, I look forward to actually understanding the context of it. Okay, so we have come to the end of another podcast episode. Before I close this, there is one scene that I haven't mentioned yet, which is Scylla killing the Camarilla guy who had kidnapped the girl, the little girl. I loved it. It was obvious from the moment that she grabbed that pencil that that was Scylla, but I loved it. That was satisfying. That was incredibly satisfying. The way that she talks to the wife, though, when she's leaving the house... That is just more contradiction. That is just more confusion added to her story because she doesn't seem to hate her. She seems to just think that this woman is just a normal person who was with a very bad person, a very probably even abusive husband. The way that he talks to his wife, well, talked because he's dead, thankfully. Um, the way that he talked to his wife suggested that he was abusive. I think Scylla noticed it. I think she realized the kind of abuse that was going on in the house. The way that she speaks to her, it's almost with compassion. It's almost like she feels for her and for the situation that she was in and that she's going to be in because now she's going to have a daughter whose father has been killed. Which just confuses me even more as to why Scylla would carry out the attack on the mall. So once again, I'm begging Elliot to actually tackle this, explain it. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you are enjoying season 2 of Motherland for Salem. And I hope you come back next week for a new podcast episode. Stay safe and thank you for tuning in.